my fellow plebs, River is setting a new standard in Bitcoin. At river.com, you'll pay zero fees when you dollar cost average. Truly the best way to build your Bitcoin wallet. All Bitcoin at River is held in secure cold storage with 100% full reserves. There's no need to wonder what's happening behind the scenes. Your Bitcoin is your Bitcoin to withdraw at any time. Additionally, River lets you make Bitcoin payments via the Lightning Network, offers a Lightning integration for developers, and allows you to mine Bitcoin directly to your River account. River has a level of service that is unheard of in this industry, including phone support, private client advisors, and the ability to designate beneficiaries to inherit your Bitcoin wealth. River has become the premium name in Bitcoin that anyone can easily access. Sure, you have a place to buy Bitcoin, but have you tried River? See and feel the difference at River.com and the River iOS app, the preferred partner of Bitcoin Magazine. Over the last five years, the Bitcoin Conference has become the world's largest gathering of Bitcoiners. From breaking announcements and international media coverage to countless meaningful talks by thought leaders and industry innovators, we are excited to continue our drive for global hyper-Bitcoinization. From July 25th to the 27th, 2024, we'll be taking the Bitcoin Conference to the city of music and freedom, Nashville, Tennessee. Join thousands of attendees for countless opportunities to learn, engage, and network across three days of pure Bitcoin signal. Get your tickets now for the best price at b.tc forward slash conference. You are not going to want to miss what Nashville has in store. My fellow plebs, Bitcoin Magazine is headed back to Amsterdam in 2023. We're returning to Westergast to build on this historic success and continue our mission of global hyper-Bitcoinization. In its inaugural year, Bitcoin Amsterdam was the biggest European Bitcoin event in history. Held from October 12th to the 14th in 2022 at Westergast Event Forum, nearly 3,000 attendees jumped at the opportunity to learn, engage, and party with fellow Bitcoiners. 126 brilliant speakers from all over Europe and beyond took the stage to represent different angles and present various perspectives. Offering six different on-site locations and three fully programmed stages, we are absolutely stoked to catapult the European community to the global stage. Tickets are at their lowest prices right now. Lock yours in at b.tc forward slash conference forward slash Amsterdam. That's b.tc forward slash conference forward slash Amsterdam. This is your host, CK, and I have an awesome, awesome interview for y'all. I'm going to be sitting down with Jason Meyer, the author of The Progressive Case for Bitcoin. This is a book published by Bitcoin Magazine, and I personally think it is the most important book published about Bitcoin since the Bitcoin standard. I think it can have a massive, massive impact on a group of people that, frankly, I think are, are adversarial or at least don't care about Bitcoin necessarily. And the reality is, they should care about Bitcoin because Bitcoin is for everyone and Bitcoin has a lot of benefits from what progressive people care about. And that's what this book is about. So without further ado, Jason, welcome to the show. Really excited to be chatting with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to, to talk about the book and the ideas in the book. So J Jason, really quick, you know, I kind of wanted to like get started with, you know, what's the story behind us working together? You know, I, I guess I could kind of just start, but, you know, I had been hearing about your, your book because of 
what Bitcoin did. I think that's most people heard of it because of that, because you reached out to him. I'm a big what Bitcoin did fan. So I was immediately interested for the very reasons that Peter was interested, you know, reached out to you. And yeah, I guess we'll take, let you take, the, take it over from there. What was it like working with Bitcoin magazine books? And, and, you know, maybe even like, why did you choose to work with us? Yeah, no, it's like, it goes without saying that my life has been a wild ride since I reached out to Peter McCormick, sort of cold emailed him and told him that I was writing a book. Did not expect to get a response from him, but, you know, obviously I did and got a lot of attention about the book. CK, you reached out to me to make a connection and sort of explain that Bitcoin Magazine was was trying to, to branch into this book thing. And, and we had a good talk. And ultimately, you know, my relationship with Bitcoin Magazine to publish the book was something that I was excited about for a couple of reasons. One, you know, maybe the most obvious is that, you know, this is a passion project for me. I'm excited about getting the book into people's hands and, and teaching them hopefully about Bitcoin and all of the benefits that it has. And I knew that Bitcoin Magazine would allow me to, to achieve that. And maybe the second really important reason is that, you know, I was passionate about writing a book and I was not so passionate about doing all of the other nitty gritty little things that involve, you know, getting a book actually published and, and out the door, like, you know, stuffing envelopes and finding a copy editor and all of those things that Bitcoin Magazine was able to take care of. So it was definitely an exciting opportunity for me and very grateful that, that I have the relationship and that things are going really well. I think that the book is profoundly better because I've worked with Bitcoin Magazine and gotten a lot of really helpful guidance and positive feedback from you all. And so, you know, the rest is history, right? Like everything's really going well for the book and for the project and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Well, we are very grateful. We're really, really honored for the privilege to be able to publish this book. And again, we think that it is uh, really, really going to be, and it already is a really, really important book for Bitcoin's adoption and understanding into the future. So I guess like, what's the plan now that the book is out? I know that it's summer now, you historically, you teach. What, what What's coming up next for the book? I know you were just at an event and you sold out. How are you <laughs> going to be promoting this thing? Yeah. So, you know, you know, if people have followed me, they know that I'm a, a high school math teacher. That's my day job. And I have a year off from doing that. I actually have just started my sabbatical now. And so the, the premise of the sabbatical was, was directly to promote the book, go out there and educate people about Bitcoin on the ground and sort of get my book into people's hands. So, you know, I was just, you mentioned, I was just in Boston at an event, the Freedom Festival up there, which was phenomenal, brought a bunch of books with me, brought all of the books that I had actually, and sold all of them, left with the empty box, which was a good feeling. I had to turn people away. So that, like, that's yeah, a good- more books. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, it's a good problem to have. So really like for the next year, I'm just going to keep putting myself in the way of opportunity and do events like that, right? Go, go out, meet Bitcoiners, uh, go to meetups, hopefully sell my book, sign my book, you know, talk to people on the ground. And then maybe even more importantly is to just continue to reach out to non-Bitcoin people, right? Pre-coiners who don't know a lot about Bitcoin, but they're interested. Uh, they might be curious. They might have heard a lot of negative things about it, but are willing to, to learn. So, you know, you're going to see me, you know, anywhere that I can get to within driving distance. If you have a locally owned bookstore or like a library or a university or a school, like, you know, there's a good chance I'm going to show up with a pile of my books and be willing to talk about it, do seminars, do, you know, book talks. So that's the year, right? Is just literally to be with my family and to promote Bitcoin and promote the book. 
Awesome. Well, hey, if you organize an event, if you have a podcast, get Jason on. He has a really important message. We're going to dive into that on this show. But I could not encourage, you know, working with, you know, a more incredible gentleman, but also just such such an awesome book. So everyone, talk to Jason, have him on your show, help this cause because it really is that important for Bitcoin. Jason, let's talk a little bit about you know, I don't want to talk about your journey because there's a lot of other great shows that kind of tell about J- Jason's story, but I want to dive into one specific part of your Bitcoin journey, which is that most Bitcoin content creators are libertarian and cap conservative people. And you describe yourself as all the way progressive, but you're very interested in Bitcoin and, you know, you, you put in the work to like learn and, you know, listen to opposing voices, which is not an easy thing. Like, you know, I, I have to force myself to listen to opposing voices of my own opinions. And that's something that I work at and put effort into. But, you know, to do that all the time to get your 10,000 hours in and it's like 95%, you know, opposing voices is not easy. Like what, t- tell us about your Bitcoin education experience, having to learn from libertarians, etc. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's an interesting question, right? Because I think that the default for most people, no matter where you fit, on the political spectrum or whatever you have strong beliefs about, you know, it's just not our human nature necessarily to expose yourself to like people who disagree with you constantly. You know, I, I you know, I told this anecdote before where it's like, all right, well, it, there's been times when I've turned on Fox News, but it was mostly like a joke, right? Like I wasn't going to actually watch it. I also and, do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that, you know, like it became really clear right away that if I was going to want to learn about Bitcoin and the community around Bitcoin and what effects it has and what are the benefits, which I was really motivated to do, that I was going to run up against people who just don't agree with me politically. They're going to make uh, comments, have, hold beliefs, they're going to make assumptions about the audience that don't necessarily fit me. And that was just my experience sort of throughout. Like, in, in fact, that's one of the reasons I got the idea to write the book, which is to say that because I had such a conviction for Bitcoin from a mathematical computer science lens, I understood you know, the technology enough to know that it was promising. I was able to sort of get past that stuff that I disagreed with in terms of politics, right? People, you know, name calling or making jokes at, you know, my expense, not my expense, but like people like me, (laughs) you know, like that kind of stuff. a lot of it. Like it's a real dynamic. It really is. Right. And if you, you know, I think that, you know, in all honesty, I think people who are on podcasts or do shows or talk about Bitcoin a lot, just fall into this sort of rut of assuming that everybody listening to the the message or the podcast agrees with them or will laugh at the same jokes. And and if you sort of take a step back and realize that there's a lot of different kinds of people who are into Bitcoin and a lot of different kinds of people watching shows, listening to interviews, that's not always the case. And so, you know, I've, I got to the point where I was a little, I built up some calluses. I was okay to sort of like gloss over a sentence or two and say, all right, well, like that doesn't speak to me, but this whole other message about Bitcoin does speak to me. And I think it was a really powerful moment for me to realize that like, there are people out in the world who are good, well-intentioned people who are operating from sort of, you know, assuming the best. And I don't agree with them, but they're not bad people. They're not evil. They're not trying to like do horrible things. They're just sort of coming about the same problems that I see in the world from a different perspective. And so by learning about Bitcoin, I was able to sort of make that connection and say, all right, well, if I listen to an interview with so-and-so, it's okay that I don't agree with 
the sort of like the non-Bitcoin content that gets sort of slipped in, as long as I agree with the Bitcoin stuff or I, it helps me understand Bitcoin better. There are plenty, the hour, you say 10,000 hours, there's plenty of hours of me listening to books, podcasts, interviews, where I was just, you know, I was not in the most comfortable state, right? Like it's like people are saying things You're that like I didn't agree with. <laughs> You're right. listening to the show. I know right. exactly what that's like. Yeah. And, and I, you know, so the, like I, I, I referenced that sort of experience too, to say like, if you're, if, if you find yourself right now, you're into Bitcoin and you like it and you understand that it has promised to change the world and make it better. You can read my book, even if you're not progressive, because I certainly have read plenty of books that I disagree with politically. It just helps me understand a different group of people. And, and I think the same can work in the opposite direction too. So that was eye-opening. The whole experience is eye-opening. It obviously motivated me to put out a resource out there for people to learn. So it was, yeah, it's been really fascinating to see that progression. Would you be willing to name, you know, some of the, I just say like some of the most effective libertarian educators, the ones that like you really, their points really sat well with you? Yeah. I, well, I think that there's something to take from, you know, from everybody. Right. And I think that if you really focus in on the Bitcoin stuff in particular, you can get a lot out of it. Right. So like, you know, somebody, you know, you're putting me on the spot, but like, you know, somebody like Breedlove. Sorry about it. No, no, it's fine. Like I'll, I'll just name, like Breedlove has phenomenal content about money and about what is money and how Bitcoin fits into that picture. Um, and I find a lot of his other takes offensive or off-putting or things that I don't agree with, right? So that's that might be a good example of somebody who's out there in the Bitcoin space who, you know, maybe a lot of people just would regnify with like, you know, recognize Robert Breedlove is like Bitcoin and what he says, a lot of people agree with no matter what. I don't necessarily agree with most of the things he says, but I've learned a lot from him. And, and there's lots of other people too that may, might fit into that category. Yeah. Breedlove was one that I, for some reason I thought you were going to mention, but yeah, I mean, I really, I, I think like some of his thought provoking elements about like time and the number zero um, and the effects of money on society is, is some of the most profound stuff out there. It's incredible. It's, you know, I've learned a lot from him too. You know, I kind of wanted to dive a little bit more into like, what do you actually consider to be progressive values? Because I think it's kind of a loaded term, you know, for everyone. So I'm curious, what's your take? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily view it as, as a loaded term, right? It's just sort of how I identify. And I, I think there's a lot of different ways to, to identify like what, you know, what progressive means. There's people on the political spectrum that are even to the left of me who are also into Bitcoin, you know, but just generally speaking, I think that, you know, values like, well, first of all, like we'll just start at the very basic, right? Like the, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who thinks that the government shouldn't exist anymore. And that Bitcoin is like the key to get rid of the government. Like, I, first of all, like, I just don't believe that. So that's like maybe number one. Two, I think that there's opportunities as a society to protect vulnerable people and to make sure that uh, the people that society marginalizes or discriminates against have a protection, have a safety net, have support. And that's very general and vague, but there's specific policies that, you know, that are well-intentioned towards that effect that, that I support. I think there's a lot of problems with inequality and wealth concentration that are essentially fiat created problems. 
And there's a lot of people, in, at least in America, on the political left that are trying to solve that problem with fiat ways in so means of fiat. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I think that Bitcoin provides a different perspective. I think that, you know, a lot of what I've heard from the space, you know, it doesn't resonate with me because it's not necessarily inclusive to a, a broad swath of diverse human beings. And I think that that's sort of one of the things that I try to push back against. So, you know, the definition of progressive doesn't mean that like I'm a sort of hopeless status, but I do think the government should exist or, do, you know, will exist into the future and that the government can invoke well-intentioned policies to try to help people and that it's our responsibility as an engaged populace to try to advocate for ourselves and to push the politicians to do what we think is right. And, you know, having said that, I think that there's a lot of things wrong with the government. And I think most progressives agree with this, right? There's wariness about the government on both sides of the political spectrum. It's not as if people who vote for Democrats just like love the government un unconditionally, no matter what they do. There's a lot of pushback about, you know, certain aspects of, of what the government's doing or how they're trying to achieve their goals. So it's, it's a lot more nuanced than I think a lot of people would like to think, right? There's this caricature of somebody out there who has pink hair and is a communist and screams a lot. And I just don't, I think that's a convenient caricature to fight against if you're, if you're in the mood to fight against people, but it's not really indicative of reality. Most of my social network outside of Bitcoin are liberal and progressive people, and they're very normal, <laughs> you know, like very reasonable, have nuanced and diverse points of view. So I think that it's it's not an easy question to answer necessarily, but most definitely the answer is more nuanced than a lot of people, especially who want to argue against me, would like to believe. Totally. I mean, I would say like I'm from California originally, um, so mm -hmm. I would identify my political leanings as like much more libertarian. But I would say more than anything else, I'm a Bitcoiner. I think that like the new system that is Bitcoin uh, solves a lot of problems and is worth uh, pr propagating. But, you know, if I look back at my college or high school or middle school friend group and those people, I keep in touch with them and I care deeply about those people. And, you know, they're very much, you know, they would consider themselves progressive as well. When I was living in San Francisco, that was my entire cohort of people around me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, just saying like, you know, there's a lot of like very normal average people, actually the majority, you know, I think mathematically the majority mm -hmm. who, who align with this perspective again. And that's why I think this book is so important because this book outlines how Bitcoin maps to progressive ide ideals and the things that a lot of people care about. Yeah, no. And, and that's really the, the whole point, right? The target audience of the book, like the addressable market is, you know, all of the people like, you know, who vote for Democrats because they don't really see another option or a better option. Not that they're like love the government and are like hopeless status. They're just like living a normal life and they don't know a lot about Bitcoin. Like that's a huge addressable market. <laughs> like you say, like over, you know, a majority of people would probably fit into that camp. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the book provides hopefully an opportunity for those, you know, we'll call them pre-coiners to just learn and engage with Bitcoin in a way that's new to them. And, you know, what I think the book, you know, what I try to do in the book is sort of highlight what are the problems that progressive people see with like the legacy system, the political system, the financial system, and then and then offer Bitcoin as a different lens through which to look at the problem. You know, like Bitcoin is not really thought of in, in most circles, in most mainstream circles, as like a lens to look at problems. And I'm, I'm trying to do that. 
Um, and it also presents, you know, in obvious ways to, to you and me, solutions to a lot of those problems. So it's really just holding up a new lens for a lot of people to look at like wealth inequality, war, the impact on environment in ways that are really counterintuitive to a lot of what people have learned through the media or through their social circles or, or what have you. So that's the hope that people can look at those problems in a new way. Introducing the Gatekeepers Issue, the Q1 2023 print release from Bitcoin Magazine. The winter editorial serves as both a reminder of the sacrifice whistleblowers have made in the pursuit of truth and the call to arms for a new generation. Order it now from BitcoinMagazine.com. There's a thin line between curation and censorship. There is an even thinner line between moderation and constitutional violation. The Gatekeepers issue explores the liminal space between these nuances, painting the fences worthy of demolition and those deserving respect. Bitcoin Magazine is for all Bitcoiners, the curious, convicted, and the maximalists. Subscribe today for exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, powerful photos, and artwork from the best artists in the world. Don't miss out on this piece of Bitcoin history. Subscribe now at store.bitcoinmagazine.com. Bitcoiners, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. So what are you waiting for? Don't delay. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com and embark on a path towards Bitcoin mastery. Get ready to seize every opportunity in the market with Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. Okay, well, let's dive into some of those specific Mm -hmm. problems. You know, war, environment, wealth inequality. These are huge, huge issues. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think I would say these are huge fiat-driven issues, and I think that you definitely see that as as fiat as a culprit. Can you just talk about maybe one at a time? You know, the issue, and then the way that you you, like the way that you frame Bitcoin as a lens and potentially a solution. Sure. I I think that the most important chapter in the book, because of the audience, is the chapter on the environment, because this is the number one source of FUD, and it's probably the easiest and most emotionally charged for a lot of progressive and liberal people. And the idea that I'm giving the audience a new lens through which to think about energy use and energy waste and energy consumption and how Bitcoin fits into that picture is, is really important, because right now there's a lot of people who are doing just sort of layer one thinking about like, well, if you use energy and I don't personally see why it's useful, then that's a waste. So like energy use equals bad from like square one. And it's it's actually a pretty subtle argument that's involved to make a counter argument against that to say like, okay, well, energy use equals bad is not like the whole story. You need to think about what is the energy being used for? What is the energy, you know, what is that thing incentivizing? What's a big picture look like in terms of energy creation, energy distribution, energy consumption across the grid? And how can we do essentially a lot what a lot of progressive and liberal people want, which is 
more renewable sources of energy, which we all know are intermittent and Bitcoin mining can help with that. So just really providing a, a, a whole different scope and a different angle to look at the problem and say, instead of Bitcoin being a problem in this sort of arena, this environmental arena, it's actually a solution, which is completely counterintuitive based on everything that you hear from you know, a lot of famous liberal politicians or the media, like this is actually the opposite of what most people think. So that's really the most important chapter. You know, I talk about wealth inequality and this, you know, and sort of the government's relationship with big banks, both of which are hot button issues for liberals and progressives, and both of which are really like fundamental to like the story of Bitcoin, right? Like Bitcoin in its essence is a protest against too big to fail banks and the relationship that governments have with banks in terms of bailing out and supporting them and sort of turning a blind eye towards their misdeeds. These are all things that, that liberals and progressives don't like, right? So Bitcoin offers, at least in theory, a really solid opportunity to look past like a banking industry or to reform it in a way that works for everyday people on, you know, a peer-to-peer -peer decentralized, you know, uncensorable way. So, you know, those are a couple of things. I think that, the, you know, I have a chapter about war and I think that war and peace and how Bitcoin can play a role in that. And I try to go into, to explain that, you know, the wars that we have now, which, you know, who, who are benefiting from those wars, who are paying for those wars, who's fighting in those wars, like this is all happening on a global stage. And it's all made possible and longer and deadlier and more disruptive because of fiat money printing and how, you know, as opposed to, to different armed conflicts in the past, like what we have going on even now today is only possible because the government doesn't have to go to the people and say, we're fighting this war. This is why it's important. And this is what we want to do with the money that we're collecting from you to fight the war. They're just printing the money and they don't have a direct tangible connection to the people that voted for them or who are going off and doing the fighting and the dying. And so Bitcoin offers an opportunity to rein in a government in, in that specific way to say, like, you just don't get to fight a war without talking to the people and without raising taxes or without making sacrifices. You actually have to do those things if we had a system of government and a financial system that was tied to Bitcoin in, a, in an important, meaningful way. So those are a couple of examples. I, I also talk about how Bitcoin helps marginalized people and communities, the international impact of the dollar hegemony system and how Bitcoin can offer sort of a neutral and flat a global reserve currency where one nation doesn't have an advantage over all of the others. All of these things speak to progressive values and things that, you know, fairness and sort of, you know, equal access to opportunity that progressive people care about, but in a way that's, that most progressives haven't heard before because they're not into Bitcoin yet. So yeah, there's, there's plenty to, to sort of go through and talk about, but those are some of the highlights. Thank that was know. absolutely fantastic. No, my, that was my bad. But no, I really appreciate you diving into those specific points. And, you know, you and several others, there's many other people emerging in the progressive Bitcoiner camp who are really, they're trying to help frame Bitcoin in a way that appeals to new people. That's, that's like, no one's changing Bitcoin. No one's like, you know, doing whatever. It, it's really just about framing Bitcoin in a different way. Folks like Daniel Batten, uh, mm -hmm. Alex Gladstein, they're doing such good jobs of like finding more use cases and finding more ways to talk about this stuff. And I, it's just so powerful. And, you know, I guess, why don't you talk a little bit about this kind of progressive Bitcoin Bitcoiner coalition that's kind of emerging. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's has been fascinating to watch and to learn about and to join the the community, the dynamic community of progressive Bitcoiners that, you know, a lot of people might have heard this already, but like when I started writing the book, I wasn't on social media. I didn't have a Twitter account. I didn't, you know, didn't really know anybody in the space like proper. I just decided to write a book. And and when I wrote the book, like Daniel Batten wasn't really a thing. Like Troy Cross hadn't gone on what Bitcoin did. Margot Piaz hadn't gone. Like Alex Gladstein hadn't, you know, released his first book, Check Your Financial Privilege. So like in that moment, I sat down and like started a Google Doc to write a book. Certainly wasn't expecting to, to learn and, and to find out about this great community. So as you say, there's tons of people in the space. I say tons, but there's a growing number of people in the space who consider themselves progressive or at least align with certain progressive values that I talk about in the book and who are sort of mission aligned with what I'm doing. You know, there's a reboot right now of a great podcast called The Progressive Bitcoiner that's going to be happening like this summer. And, you know, tons of great thoughtful guests coming on and talking about Bitcoin in that way. So no shortage of really thoughtful, committed people to the cause of bringing Bitcoin to a new audience making it more accessible, making it friendlier, making it, you know, whatever, like just learning about it friendlier. And, you know, that's, that gives me hope because what, you know, I'll be honest, like my own naivete, like I thought like I might've been one of the only ones, right? But in reality, there's like a huge population out there. And one of the biggest, you know, most common points of feedback I get about the book now that it's out and people are reading it is just, you know, the gratitude from the community because, there's more progressives out there than you think. And they're reaching out to me to thank me for writing the book that they always kind of wanted out in the space. And it's just humbling for me to have done that for those people and for all of the people in the future that are going to come into the space, because that's kind of what I wanted. That was the hope is to have a resource that I can hand to somebody I cared about and say, I, I love you and I want you to learn about Bitcoin. And this is a book that could speak to you. Obviously, the book isn't going to speak to everybody, but I've gotten a lot of feedback from people who say, I've been in Bitcoin for a really long time, and I've always been kind of turned off by, you know, the certain sort of the influencers and the content creators that are out there. And they're just really grateful that a book like this exists. So I'm grateful for the support and, and really grateful for the opportunity to join into that community that already existed and continues to grow. No, totally. And, you know, Peter McCormick inside his forward and, you know, on shows talking about it, he says that this is actually one of the most important books for conservatives because like a conservative like myself, you know, I have a lot of progressive people in my life and I need to give them something that is going to be effective at, you know, orange pulling them. So, hey, my mom is very, very Christian. I got her, thank God for Bitcoin. You know, my <laughs> wife is much more progressive. You know, I'm going to have her read this when I'm done. So I think it's it's really important that we have, you know, educational content like this that, you know, speaks to a lot of different audiences. And ultimately, I think Bitcoin helps us find common ground. You know, you were at a freedom fest in Massachusetts with a lot of, you know, conservative, freedom oriented, libertarian type people. And I'm sure the organizers and a lot of the speakers were, you know, of that description, but you're selling out books, you're meeting people who have passionate about different diets than you and still their friends. And maybe that's wasn't something that, you know, you would have done before Bitcoin, but I think Bitcoin is like this. It helps us find that common ground. 
Yeah. And, and I find this time and time and again, right? Like I have a conversation with somebody who is who doesn't agree with me politically, maybe is on a different sort of side of the spectrum than I am. But you can have a responsible, like respectful conversation about them, about issues. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really appreciate about the Bitcoin community is that when two Bitcoiners sit down and talk, even if they don't agree, you know that they're going to come about, you know, come about that conversation in good faith. So I'm not trying to score cheap political points or name call or make you feel bad about what you believe. I might not agree with you, but when you and I have a conversation, you know, we're going to we're going to treat each other with respect and understand that we're both trying to solve the pro like the problems that exist in the world, maybe from a different perspective. But that's super important because there's not a lot of things like that that are bridging that gap right now. And Bitcoin is, is one example. And, and hopefully it will continue to be in, and that will that effect will grow over time. Awesome. Well, you know, I, while you're saying that, I was getting an idea. A good podcast would be let's dive into like how we think about the future of future Bitcoin world and tease out where maybe our, our visions are different. I think that could be a very different, interesting conversation. But I want to talk about like, you know, you may you down, you know, down a longer timeline, you might be the most, you know, influential person to progressives in Bitcoin, you know, that would be an awesome, you know, end result of this book, you know, and I want to talk about, you know, how have you been effective at orange pilling progressives? Like what have you know, if you talk to someone who's progressive, maybe someone who another teacher at your school or something like that, what's been effective at, you know, getting them to be interested in Bitcoin? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing, and this is true for everybody, really, is just to meet the person where they are. And so, you know, I've had decades of experience teaching high schoolers math, and I'm trying to leverage what I've learned to teach people about Bitcoin. And there's a lot of similarities there, right? So really, if you're face to face with a person that you care about, or that you know, and you're trying to orange pill them, it's really important to just understand what it is that they care about. So it's like, it's never wrong to start by asking questions or to try to tease out what are the issues that they really care about? What are the problems that they see in the world as it is today? And then go from there, right? Like if you know enough about Bitcoin and you're really passionate about it, you're going to be able to find some sort of avenue that's going to speak to them. And so, you know, start by asking questions, meet the person where they are. Don't try to teach them too much at once. And then get them asking questions, right? Because as, as we know, most people haven't really thought about like, what is money? Why does it have to come from the government? What gives money value? You know, all of those questions are things that people just sort of gloss over and, and as they're living their day-to-day -day life. So the minute you start getting people to slow down and actually think about those questions and what the consequences are, then you're going to make good headway. And then sort of just, like I said, lay out sort of the case that Bitcoin can offer these different perspectives, or you might be in a position where you have to sort of counteract some of the FUD or the misconceptions uh, that people have, and that's okay. But then just, you know, again, just try to engage in the conversation in a dialogue in a respectful way that acknowledges that that person hopefully wants to learn and is, is open to learning. And that's what I found to have the most success I'm not, you know, I don't have a thousand batting average in terms of orange pilling progressive people. Sometimes I had to go back and try a different tact, right? So if, if I think I might get them with the environmental, like, you know, the good news Bitcoin has for the environment, that might not work. I have to, you know, try something else. And, you know, so that's what the book is essentially is sort of like the greatest hits. It's 10 chapters. And like each one of those chapters is going to have something to do with like what has worked with somebody that I care about in terms of orange pilling them. 
No, I mean, I think that that's really important, especially meeting people where they're at. You know, Bitcoiners should take that advice no matter who they are trying to orange pill. It's always yeah. good to figure out what does this person care about? And then it's a lot easier to kind of map Bitcoin onto it. And generally speaking, it's better to just talk about the problem <laughs> more than more than even Bitcoin, really. I kind of want to talk a little bit, you know, because I, I think we have a little more time here, but I kind of want to talk a little bit about um, Bitcoin as like an environmental solution. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the environment is very important to me. You know, I think a lot of conservatives are like, we're pro gas and all this kind of stuff. And they, you know, they're, they also care about the environment. You know, yeah. I want to steal man, like a lot of them think that what's best for humanity, what's best for the environment and what the earth can sustain it, you know, is a certain way. Like, not like, you know, people are trying to boil the oceans. No one wants to do that. Everyone wants to live a comfortable life on this planet. But in terms of Bitcoin as a solution for the environment, you know, from my perspective, I, I think you can't actually be a serious con conservationist or environmentalist if you don't take Bitcoin seriously, because the issues are really rooted in the actual energy infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And if you understand enough about mining, you see how mining is like this fundamental solution to a lot of different issues on the grid and off the grid. You know, Daniel Batten has a great graphic where he just like lists how it helps the renewable grids, lists how it helps normal grids, lists how it reduces methane, you know, talks about the macro implications as well. It's a great graphic. Maybe we'll share it in the show notes. But, you know, that's a little bit of a long-winded question. But can you talk about this idea, you know, of Bitcoin, not only as it doesn't hurt the environment, Bitcoin is our best hope at aligning with the environment right yeah and, and and again like this is the longest and most important chapter of the book right because this is what most people are going to be tuning into and hearing misconceptions about bitcoin you know and I'll, I'll say like one of the things that you know we don't talk about a lot but is in the book is sort of like how bitcoin you know lengthens your time horizon right like you have if you're a bitcoiner then you have low time preference you're willing to to make sacrifices now for progress in the future and like how important is that lesson for somebody who wants to have a positive impact on the environment right like like human caused you know damage to the environment is a long term problem and it's going to require a long term solution so just like off the bat already you have like bitcoin the bitcoin mindset is going to be a help you know and and i think that indirectly having something that is a deflationary monetary base that doesn't encourage people to just to consume for the sake of consuming because their dollars are going to be worth less tomorrow is also critically important for the environment. Like we are in a ever growing um, economy has to always grow. We have to have inflation in order to have economy growing. People are spending their money on things because they break all the time. Like all of this stuff is just horrible for the environment. Like we have finite amount of resources and people just can't keep consuming just for the sake of consuming, right? They're, and right now people are incentivized to do that. And companies are incentivized to make sure that their phones break after two years and, and all of that. So you end up getting this hugely damaging effect on, on the environment just because of the way our economy is set up. So like all of that sort of indirect, like, hey, how can we help the environment and how can Bitcoin do that? But just directly, like you said, like Daniel Batten does a great job of explaining to people like, you know, 
these are the impacts on renewable energy because you have this intermittent energy source. You need a large flexible load to balance that grid out and to sort of incentivize and monetize the build out of renewable energy. That doesn't happen without Bitcoin. There's just not a world in which it happens. Bitcoin is uniquely positioned to fill that, that role. You know, I had an interesting conversation with somebody at an energy company in the Pacific Northwest who was like, listen, right now, like the, the kind of load that Bitcoin is putting onto the grid is exactly what we need. Like we need large, flexible load that can respond to changes in demand. It helps the energy company. It helps the energy grid. It helps the rate paying customers. It helps to build out a renewable energy like solar and wind. You know, this person described to me that energy companies right now sort of without being flashy about it are racing to get the most valuable land in terms of solar and wind energy production right now because they know in 10 and 15 years like they're going to be sort of socially forced in that direction well to buy that land now and to build like energy resources on that land is not like it, it, there's no financial incentive to do that but things like bitcoin mining can sort of be the bridge that helps actually finance that build out of renewable energy. And that's what's happening right now behind the scenes with not just one, but like all energy companies are trying to do that. And there's really no way that I can see it happening without Bitcoin mining as a large flexible load that can sort of incentivize that build out and, and help supplement the income of those companies until there's a, a larger demand for the energy from, from regular consumers. So there's a lot of benefits for the environment that I talk about in the book, and some of them are indirect and some of them are direct. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit too about this idea of, you know, not only is being aligned with the environment and using our resources well important, but energy availability is also critically important. And it's easy, you know, I'm here in the United States, I'm all plugged in, you mm -hmm. know, we're talking over the internet, this right. provides us so much utility and productivity, and we neither of us would be able to do what we do in Bitcoin without it. And yet, a very large portion of the planet does not have any of this infrastructure built out. And right. the fiat world has offered no way for them to, to have it. It's not like this infrastructure is novel, it's all available. But the right. economics and the incentives don't allow for it. And I would say fiat puts people in that lower position. And maybe that's a little far-fetched to blame it all on fiat. But I'm kind of curious, like, how yeah. does Bitcoin, you know, in, I would say, in an environmentally sound way, bring people online? Like, talk about that argument, yeah. too. And I think that's something that a lot of progressives are environmentalists. They just don't think about is, like, this balancing act. We also have to get people yeah. online. Yeah. And, and it's true, right? Like we say like, oh, energy use equals bad is sort of the like a zero level of thinking about it. It's not like, you know, what we zero want. Zero level. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's like an emotional plea, right? Like, oh, if you're like, cause we all know like, okay, if I would leave this room and I leave the light on, that's just wasteful. There's no reason for me to do that. Right. And I think that like that speaks on an intuitive level. So that's why like politicians use that, right? Like, Hey, Bitcoin mining uses energy, therefore it's bad because it's going to just resonate on an emotional level with people. And so you have to like get past that and actually think about on the ground, like what are we hoping to do, right? It's not that we all 
go back to a, a, a system where we don't, we're not using computers or electricity at all. We want the opposite. We want everybody to have access to the technology and to the advancements that, that you and I are enjoying. And, you know, there's, there's example, I list them in the book at one of the chapters of examples of, of exactly this happening, right? You want to bring electricity to a remote village, you know, in the, the global South. There's a waterfall nearby that can actually provide the electricity, but there's no demand for the electricity because this village has been operating for the last, you know, 5,000 years without electricity. They don't have toasters to plug in. And so there's no demand for the electricity. Therefore, there's no incentive for somebody to go out and put the infrastructure in this, you know, way that is going to generate the electricity. So, you know, this is very similar to the idea that like Bitcoin mining can provide a bridge between the production of the electricity in a cheap way where there's, it's not, it's a non-rival consumer, right? There aren't other customers that are like knocking on the door and saying, we needed this electricity. Like there's not a hospital or an orphanage that's like going without. It's just using the energy that's being produced and paying the people who created the energy, like, you know, a reasonable rate until the demand picks up. And now you have you can electrify, you know, uh, a, a, new, a new village that never had electricity before because of the financial incentives at play with Bitcoin mining. And the, and the same thing is true, like all over the world, right? Like there's plenty of people who don't have electricity who need it. And just generally speaking, like a lot of environmentalists, a lot of progressives and liberals understand that we have to electrify more of our economy and more of our energy structure um, if we want to, to achieve our goals. Well, that doesn't happen without like the infrastructure and the incentives aligned to it, right? So they're just all across, right? Global South, Western liberal democracies, like all of us can can benefit from it in really meaningful and important ways. And we just have to get past that like level zero thinking, right? You have to think a couple of steps down the line in order to actually appreciate the benefits. Well, Jason, this has been a really, really valuable conversation. Thank you so much for joining me on. I'm going to have to get you back on. We're going to have to get deep into the history of progressivism and how things have changed, you know, how people went from hippies to statists. And, you know, well, maybe we can even talk about the future of Bitcoin and hyper Bitcoinization from our different perspectives. I think that'd be a really awesome conversation. But, you know, just to wrap this one up, I would love to give you the last word. Sure. I mean, I, I think that I appreciate you having me on and I appreciate any chance to talk about the book and get the message out there. I think that really it's important for people. If you're, if you've watched this and you're kind of skeptical of what I'm doing, just understand that I'm just trying to educate people about Bitcoin. And I saw an avenue for which that, you know, resource didn't exist. And that's what I'm trying to provide. So the goal for me is just to, to help people understand the value that Bitcoin has and the way it can reshape the world and help people. And I think that that's an important message to get out there. And like, you know, this, this book is one way to do that. And I'm excited about it, but really that's my goal. And so I think there's a lot of people probably out there who are mission aligned with that goal is to get more people understanding the benefits of Bitcoin and educating them. So, you know, I'll, I'll leave with that. I think that's, that's a valuable goal and a, a valuable aspiration. So I hope people join me in that. Uh, where can people get the book and where can they contact or reach out to you? 
Yep. So on Twitter, I'm C Jason Mayer and DMs are open. Always try to reply as quickly as I can. Book is available, Bitcoin Magazine store. It's also available on Amazon. So highly encourage people to, to go out and, and get a copy for yourself, pass it along to a friend or buy a couple of copies. So you give it out to people that you love. And, you know, I'm always happy to hear feedback and, and reach out from people. Always, always excited to hear people's reaction to the book. We're working on getting these books into bookshelves too at bookstores. So I know Jason's going door to door. Bitcoin Magazine is working on the back end to make it available for libraries and bookstores and stuff like that. But you can do your part too by demanding that you want the book at your local bookstore too. So go and ask for it and that will help us out a lot too. Uh, yes. Jason, thanks again for coming on. Everyone, please check it out. You can buy it for Bitcoin on the Bitcoin Magazine store. It's available internationally on Amazon, on Kindle, working on the audio book. But I can't recommend it enough. You know, I've really been enjoying it so far. And there's going to be more content from Jason on Bitcoin Magazine coming out soon too. So keep an ear out and an eye out for that. But with that being said, Bitcoiners, thank you so much for listening. Peace. Thank you, Miami, for the last three years in this amazing city. The whole world shut down, but Miami welcomed us with open arms. We want to show Bitcoin to the whole world. We are taking the conference on the road to set the stage for Bitcoin in a new city. Nashville. Bitcoin 2024 is coming to Nashville in Tennessee. A city that is known as a music and freedom city. Bitcoin 2024 in Nashville from July 25th to 27th. My fellow plebs, Bitcoin Magazine is headed back to Amsterdam in 2023. We're returning to Westergast to build on this historic success and continue our mission of global hyper-Bitcoinization. In its inaugural year, Bitcoin Amsterdam was the biggest European Bitcoin event in history. Held from October 12th to the 14th at Westergas Event Forum, nearly 3,000 attendees jumped at the opportunity to learn, engage, and party with fellow Bitcoiners. 126 brilliant speakers from all over Europe and beyond took the stage to represent different angles and present various perspectives. Offering six different on-site locations and three fully programmed stages, we are absolutely stoked to catapult the European community to the global stage. Tickets are at their lowest prices right now. Lock yours in at b.tc forward slash conference forward slash Amsterdam. That's b.tc forward slash conference forward slash Amsterdam.